With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Chapter one was the greatest fear. Fear of not being what he used to be. The fear of going out and embarrassing himself. The fear of going out and not being the undertaker that everybody remembers. That was the greatest fear. At the end of the first episode, Undertaker wrestled what he thought would be his final match at WrestleMania 33 against Roman Reigns. That was going to be it. He just felt, I've reached the end. This is my last ride. This is my swan song. I'm done. He left his gloves. He left his jacket. He left his hat. Left his pride. Everything. In the middle of the ring, he broke character. He walked over. Kissed his wife. Walked halfway up the ramp. And vanished into a cloud of smoke. Which, really, if you think about it, is the best send-off you could ask for for the Undertaker character. Lowers down into the depths of hell. Smoke. He vanishes. The lights go out. You hear the gong. In a lot of ways, maybe not the best performance, but the perfect send-off for that character. But he was not happy. He was not happy with his performance in that match. He was not happy with his physical condition, his physical appearance going into the match. And it took almost a full year for him to make up his mind. That was not The Undertaker's last match, after all. This is your... Undertaker, The Last Ride, review for Chapter 2, here on the Solomonster Sounds Off channel. An episode called Redemption, which I thought was every bit as good as the first episode, if not even better. I'm loving this series so far. It's the best documentary series I've seen so far from WWE. This episode gave us more insight into uh, not only The Undertaker's mindset coming out of that WrestleMania 33 match, but also his relationship with his wife, how they met, how that all came about, and the fascinating relationship that he has with a very fascinating individual in Vince McMahon. What is the relationship like between The Undertaker and Vince McMahon? We got more insight on that in this episode than probably we've ever gotten before. Got to hear from both guys. And also why his match with John Cena in New Orleans at WrestleMania 34 felt like it came together very much at the last minute. If it felt that way, the reason is it did. It cut it very close to the wire before they even knew that match was going to happen. John Cena almost had no match. He almost had no program at WrestleMania 34. So it picks up now. It's, It's the following January. If you remember how the last episode left off, WrestleMania match, think it's over, he's not happy. That leads into episode two. It's the following January, he sits down with his wife. They're going to go back and watch the match. Now, I don't know if they've watched the match previously, but now they're going to sit together with the benefit of hindsight, and they're getting closer now to New Orleans. Let's sit down and watch that match all over again. And The Undertaker is visibly disgusted. He is visibly disgusted by his appearance. He even calls himself, uh, at one point, he looks like a bloated Elvis. So he looks like a bloated Elvis. Eyeliner and everything. Uh, He's got a noticeable limp going into that match. I mean, just watching him walk is painful, let alone wrestle, because he's got a bum hip. He's got pain. He's in agony. His hip is killing him. His hip has been killing him for years. So he's got that issue going. Uh, he's disgusted by the match. He's disgusted by the, visibly disgusted by the botched tombstone reversal at the end, which I think was 
that that really more than anything I think was the saddest moment of that match because he was trying. You could see, you know, trying to trying to get himself up. He just couldn't do it. Tried a second time, couldn't do it, and he just, you know, he rolled his eyes in the back of his head. Couldn't even watch. He was so disgusted by what he was seeing at the end of that match, uh, how lost he looked when he got up, waiting. You know, Roman Reigns is hitting the ropes. He's ricocheting back and forth. He, it's almost like he's not in position for the move until finally Roman puts him down and Reigns wins the match. Uh, he's disgusted that he could not give Roman Reigns the match that he wanted to give him. Seemed to feel more bad about that than anything else. You know, main event spot, WrestleMania, Roman's the guy. And he felt like he let him down. He couldn't give him the match that he deserved to have in the main event of a WrestleMania. You know, the kind of match that a lot of people, I think, over the years have come to expect from the main event of WrestleMania. And he couldn't give it to him. And even though he hasn't made up his mind at this point in the documentary, it's kind of obvious, you know, him sitting there watching this and, you know, he can barely stomach watching the match back. Obviously, we know in hindsight he came back, but even just watching it, you could tell, you know, oh, his mind is not made up. His mind was made up. He knew he was coming back. He he wasn't going to let himself go out with a match like that. That that much watching this, that much is is obvious. When you consider they gave Roman and The Undertaker almost 25 minutes. I think that match went about 23 and a half, 24 minutes, something like that. When you consider how much time they gave to those two, it is beyond absurd. <laughs> it is beyond ridiculous that they put a a 50-something-year-old man with a bad hip in a 25-minute match. I mean, what did you think was going to happen? I mean, when Undertaker got in the ring for the Royal Rumble at the Alamo Dome, he said last week, he goes, I knew I had no business being in the ring. And that was two months, three months before WrestleMania, and he knew. I mean, there was no turning back at that point, but how does how does Vince McMahon, how does the company not look at this and go, you know what, let's budget this a little bit better? Show's already running long. Show ended after midnight. Let, let, let's cut that down a little bit. Let, let's, let's give these guys, I don't know, 12 minutes. Give them almost 25 minutes. Guy's got a bad hip. Can barely move. But when you think about that, and then you consider that he came back a year later in better shape, and he didn't even get a full three minutes. They didn't even give him and John Cena a full three minutes in their match at WrestleMania. But the condition that he was in, you know, I, I don't think it would have made that much of a difference you know, if you cut that match in half, he had no business being in the ring. In 2017, he had no business being in the ring. And he says the same thing. I had no business being in the ring. So cutting the match in half, I mean, it wouldn't have made that much of a difference. Uh, so they flash back to May. So now it's about a month after the match. Uh, May of 2017. He flew to New York for a hip, not a hip replacement. Flew to New York for a hip resurfacing procedure. I'm sure he'll have a hip replacement, probably two of them. Once he is done for good, that's probably years down the road. Uh, but he went to New York. He was going to have a hip resurfacing procedure. Uh, this would be his second one. He had already had one on his hip, uh, I don't know how many years ago. Could have been 10 years ago. It was a long time ago. You know, and I seem to remember in 2010, now that I think about it, was it 2010? I believe it might have been. it might have been 2010. Because I think after the retirement match for Shawn Michaels, if I remember, I think Undertaker disappeared for a while, came back for a feud with Kane. When they had put Paul Bear back with Kane, Undertaker came back. He was noticeably slower. There was something very off. That was when Undertaker was in a vegetative state and then he came back. And I'm kind of thinking that maybe that was the year that he that he had it done, but I, I'm not sure. Here, they're at the hospital for special surgery, uh, which I popped when I saw that because uh, that's where I had my surgery done on my knee a couple of years ago after my little uh, accident in Colombia. And they're, you know, they're with the nurse and they are, they're having a good laugh because the nurse says to him, so, you know, have you had any surgeries or any kind of procedures done over the years? And of course, Undertaker chuckles. He goes, well, I've... <laughs> 
I've had a few, and he's running through the gamut of injuries that he's had. And when you really stop and think about how many injuries and the types of injuries that this man has suffered over a 30-year career, it's mind-boggling. It's mind-boggling. It's almost as if he's being held together by tape and glue. And titanium runs down the laundry list of injuries. Both eye sockets crushed. Broken fingers. Torn rotator cuff. Torn peck. That was when he was going to come back early 2000, was about to come back. He was training for a comeback from whatever the other injury was. Might have been a hip issue. Tore his peck. And that kept him out a few more months. And when he came back, we got the American badass. So, torn peck. Uh, torn biceps, which is when he had to go away. Edge won the world heavyweight title from him on SmackDown. Uh, I remember him wrestling that cage match on TV against Batista with his arm all all wrapped up. He wrestled a cage match for however long it was with a torn biceps. So that was another injury that he had. He's been, you know, he had a knee scope, at least one. He's been burned by pyro at <laughs> the elimination chamber, pouring bottles of water on second degree burns on his body. As he's standing there in that pod. I don't even want to know. God only knows how many concussions. We know the one at WrestleMania 30. But I mean over a 30 year career. He may have had 30 concussions. You know back then. You shook it off. You went back to work. Or maybe you never even. You never even knew. That you had a concussion. Think about how many concussions all those old guys. Or all those old ECW guys. Must have gotten back in the day. And half of them they probably never even knew. So if you if you did a t-shirt with all of the Undertaker's surgeries and injuries, it would have to be front and back uh, because you wouldn't be able to fit it on one side. Triple H told the story. I don't know if it was just for a promo. I assume it was real because of all the injuries. Why make this one up? Uh, but heading into their WrestleMania uh, 27, maybe, their, their match, their first Wrestle... Well, their second uh, WrestleMania match. And... You know, Triple H told the story about, I remember back in you know the mid-90s when I was new to the company, and I, I remember seeing The Undertaker, you know, duct-taping a flak jacket to himself and going out and working with broken ribs. I believe it. I don't know when that would have been. <laughs> I don't remember Undertaker wearing a flak jacket, but it, it, I could believe it. Now, this guy, he, he went out and all the injuries, and you, and you got to respect that. And look, I think people, some people, will sometimes mistake some of my comments about The Undertaker, which, you know, are not always complimentary just because of the state that he's been in, and I just find it incredibly sad to to watch him sometimes. But I think people will sometimes mistake my comments about The Undertaker uh, as me, you know, not respecting his body of work uh, or or what he's you know given to wrestling i respect what the man has done it's not an issue of respect i absolutely respect what the man has done don't ever tell me that i don't respect what the man has done but there's a difference between respect and honesty and just being honest as a fan watching on television what you're seeing don't conflate those two things there's there's always a respect there but as a fan, it's it's painful to see him out there more often than not these days. You know, he'll come out every now and then. Hey, Undertaker looks pretty good. I mean, how many times have we gone through this? And then the next time we see him, it's a total disaster. But that's what you get when, you, when you're at this stage of your career. At this age, with all the injuries, it builds up. Now, you talked about last week when you only wrestle once a year, twice a year. It's hard. You know, it's hard It's hard to, to grease the gears and get the body going and get the blood flowing. It would almost be better for him to be working a, a part-time schedule than it would be to wrestle once a year. That's That's always been my issue. It's not a matter of disrespect or I don't like The Undertaker. I've been watching The Undertaker as long as a lot of you have been watching The Undertaker for. I have, you know, especially now you see everything that goes into just getting him prepped for a match. You have respect for that, but you also take a step back and go, this is this is kind of sad. Here's another story of a wrestler who just doesn't know when to let go. He's got nothing left to prove. This is not a man that has anything to prove to the fans, to, to Vince McMahon, to the other wrestlers. But, you know, you get a window into his mind here, and it's not a matter of proving anything to the fans. He has to prove something to himself. He wants to prove that he can still do it. He wants to prove that he can still hang at a certain level. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. And sometimes he can, and sometimes he can't. More often than not, he can't. You get to a point where you just can't. And you do become, and it's his biggest fear, you do become a parody of yourself. So that's that's always been, you know, my issue as far as that goes. But they filmed him being wheeled in for surgery for the hip procedure, which this was kind of funny, actually, because they wheel him into the OR. And, you know, as they're they're uh, putting him under with the anesthesia, you can hear them playing some remix of his theme music. They're playing the Undertaker's theme music to the Undertaker as he passes out for his hip hip operation. And I'm just watching this and I'm thinking to myself, I go, you know, that's a hell of a lot better than the Brie Bella music that they were pumping in from the Spotify, uh, the WWE playlist on Spotify when I went in for that uh, MRI procedure I talked about on the podcast a few years ago. Uh, for the knee you haven't lived until you have to lie perfectly still you can't move during the MRI you're in this tube 20-30 minutes however long it felt like forever it felt like 30 days you haven't lived until you have to lie perfectly still for your MRI as you hear Bree mode blasting into your ears and there's nothing you can do about it you are powerless to do anything about it you have not lived. And I hope none of you ever live to have an experience like that. I wish they had given me anesthesia that day. So they show footage from the surgery where they, they, they're they literally, they've got the hammer. They're hammering this guy's hip. They're hammering the bone or the device, the implant, whatever it was they were hammering. Uh, after the surgery, the doctor comes into the room. And he's he's showing him a replica of the of the metallic you know the implant the device that they that they put in and basically it's like they put a damn dreidel inside the undertaker's hip he's got you know they gave gave it to the undertaker he's holding it he's spinning it around i'm watching this i'm like man they put a dreidel in the undertaker's hip if he starts dancing the horror and singing hava nagila that would be quite the radical character shift for the undertaker i don't think that would work so after the surgery he says look i'm pain-free Wow, this is great. Just like my last hip operation. I'm pain-free for the first time in years. I can move around. I feel good. He, he left the hospital later that day, you know, on crutches. And, you know, he's pain-free. And it seems to be, like, his wife made a great comment. And Michelle goes, on the one hand, he's pain-free, which is great. On the other hand, he's pain-free. <laughs> which means... You know he's going to come back. And she was right. And that seems to be the cycle in recent years with The Undertaker. I mean, it really that that really seems to be the cycle with this guy where you know, if if he goes out there and has a bad match, like a WrestleMania 33. Well, you know, I've I can't go out like that. I've got to get redemption. Right? So he's got to come back and he's got to do it all over again, right? Uh, but if he goes out and has a great match and he feels good, then he and Vince McMahon, they look at that and go, wow, look at the, hey, pal, look at the Undertaker. He looks as good as ever. You hear it on commentary. They were in some of the highlights they were playing when he came back against Cena, two minute match. Oh, the Undertaker. Michael Cole says the Undertaker, he looks as good as ever. Cause you know, they have to exaggerate. Cause that's what they do. They love to exaggerate. He looked good, but let's not get carried away. So it's, it's sort of this, uh, it's this this vicious cycle where 
I've got to come back and do better. Or if he comes back and does better, well, I guess I can do it again. And so it never ends. It's this never ending cycle of, all right, now I'm going to retire. Well, you know, I got to, I, I can't go out like that. I need one more. Then he'll wrestle for three minutes and he's like, oh, I'm feeling pretty good. I think I could do this again. He's going to go until the wheels fall off. That's what's going to happen. He's going to go until he physically, something happens to him and he just can't do it anymore. Or at least that's the fear. I still wonder if at the end of the series on episode five, you know, we get the formal announcement that this is, this is it. That the Undertaker has wrestled or, you know, maybe later this year is going to wrestle his final match. But again, how many times have we heard that before? So, yeah, it got to a part of the episode where he and his wife, they get all sappy about how they met and their relationship and how they met backstage, which is kind of funny. You know, the way they met backstage and, and sort of linked up uh, in WWE years ago. You know, Michelle says she had two wrestlers when she came in that she was terrified to meet. Kane and The Undertaker. And then she made a comment. She said, one of them is like the nicest guy in the world and the other one I married. And Kane is a nice guy. I think we can all agree. Kane, Kane is a, uh, he's a nice fellow. He's one of those guys, never got into trouble. I don't remember any stories about Kane embarrassing the company for all the time he worked there, getting into any kind of trouble or mischief. He can play any role that they wanted him to play. It'd be nice at some point to get some kind. I wish they had been filming something for Kane over the last several years, you know? I'd like to see them do something on him in his career. So she talked about, you know, being afraid of him and then obviously getting to know him. Uh, he he said that, well, I, I loved her work ethic. He goes, I loved her work ethic and... You know, it had nothing at all to do with the blonde hair, the blue eyes, the banging body. Yeah, no, I'm sure. Yeah, no, of course not. Of course not. Had nothing at all to do with that. It was her charming sense of humor. That's what got him interested in Michelle McCool. So he said one day he's he's in the back at a TV taping. And he's got one of those little mini footballs. I think I still have a mini uh, XFL football from the first, <laughs> the first XFL. I think laying somewhere in the closet. So he's got a little mini football. He's throwing it around backstage with some of the other wrestlers. He implied that these wrestlers sucked at throwing a football, that they couldn't throw a football to save their life. The football, I guess, landed. Maybe it fell on the floor. And she happened to pick it up. And she spiraled a throw at him. It was like love at first sight. He says, I fell in love with this woman because she knew how to throw a football. You know, she comes from an athletic background, so she could throw a football. Uh, but I just love the idea that because the WWE roster sucked so badly at throwing a football and did not know how to throw one, The Undertaker ended up marrying Michelle McCool. That's basically the cause and effect of that story. So during this period, Undertaker's contract expires, which was very surprising to hear because how the hell do you let The Undertaker's contract expire? It seems a bit strange that they would let something like that happen. Uh, I, look, I would think even if if you don't think that this guy's ever going to wrestle again, he's older, he's at the end of his rope, you don't let a guy like The Undertaker get away. You know, you, you lock that down. Now, maybe they were in discussions and maybe the negotiations were going nowhere. Uh, I don't know. But you know, since then, they have, in fact, re-signed him, supposedly, supposedly to a 15-year deal which would make Undertaker almost 70 years old when that contract is up. I fear he'll still be wrestling at that point. But yeah, it seems Undertaker's not going anywhere. And this, this I think, all came uh, after, if you remember the, the little controversy last year, uh, Conrad had signed him to appear at StarCast. Now, it was part of the whole AEW weekend and everything. It wasn't an AEW event, you know, per se, but... Undertaker, Kurt Angle, they had signed on to be at StarCast. And supposedly Vince McMahon, when he found out about this, he flipped his lid. He was livid when he found out about this. And he he squashed that real quick. They had to pull Kurt Angle. They had to pull The Undertaker. But this was during a period where Undertaker all of a sudden was taking all of these outside bookings. He was doing uh, an event, I think some kind of spoken word event or, or meet and greet in the UK, which I think he still did. He may have insisted, I ha you know, I, I have to keep that booking. 
but it seems to me like Vince McMahon panicked and said, whoa, this guy's, you know, I got to keep him in the family here. I don't want other people making money off The Undertaker. If anything, we'll, we'll be the ones doing that. And so, you know, he had to pull out and, and all of a sudden he signed supposedly to a 15-year contract. Uh, I would love for them to cover that whole fiasco and how the, the Starcade stuff, but I, I don't think that's going to be featured. So Undertaker heads to Titan Tower. He's going to meet with the boss. He's going to meet with Vince McMahon. We learn that the Undertaker's uh, mother, who apparently is still alive, uh, good for him, she uh, often wonders. She asks him, does, does Vince McMahon really know how he looks when he walks so, you know, with that power, that ridiculous power walk? So even the Undertaker's mother watches television and thinks this guy is a walking cartoon character. So they get to the building. They're ready for their meeting. Him and Michelle, they walk in. Oh, where's Vince? Oh, he's at the gym. He, he's in the company gym. He's still working out. You guys can go in the office. You can just, you'll, you'll wait. He'll be here eventually. So he's still working out. He's, they got to sit around and wait for him. And that gives them an opportunity to, uh, you know, talk about the relationship between Vince McMahon and The Undertaker. You know, and they, she says they would take a, a bullet for each other. She says each guy would take a bullet for the other. They had some pretty cool footage in here going back to WrestleMania 9 back in 93. The big toga party, although Undertaker did not wear a toga that night. And they have uh, behind the scenes footage from before the event. You see Vince, you see Undertaker rehearsing his his entrance with the, the the carriage and the vulture. You see Undertaker walking around, long trench coat, sunglasses on, just like Cool Hand Luke walking around backstage. They have a, a photo that Undertaker had shared previously on his Instagram from a, a Monday Night Raw taping at the Manhattan Center of him in the back, just you know, casually hanging out with with the Macho Man. I love stuff like that. So the more the more of that they feature in here. I mean, just think of all the footage that they've just, that we've never seen before, that they probably just don't think as much of anything from like back then of guys just kind of milling around and walking around. You know, I'd love for them to just have some kind of DVD release or network special just with random like B-roll footage going back to the 80s. You know, whatever they've got, whatever's legal, just show it. Put it on there as a hidden gem or something. I, I'd love to watch that stuff. So they have interview footage with Kane. Uh, he, he's not footed, uh, featured a lot yet, but they did have a clip of Kane talking and, um, you know, he said that a lot of the respect that Vince and The Undertaker have for one another, he feels, comes out of loyalty. You know, it comes out of the fact that they, you know, Undertaker has, has been very loyal to Vince McMahon. He was with him through that entire Monday Night War period, you know, as Kane said, which is true, uh, when, when so many guys left and so many guys were just bouncing back and forth and going from WWE to WCW and WCW to WWE. Um, Undertaker was the constant. You know, Undertaker was there the whole time. Although, I have to mention this, although Kevin Nash over the years has claimed, and because of him, he tried to bring Mark into WCW. And he, he claims that they, at one point, came very close to bringing The Undertaker into WCW, I don't know what year that would have been, 99 maybe, because that was when he left later in the year, which I think was purely an injury issue, but who knows, maybe there was something going on with him and the company at the time. It was kind of sudden how that all, remember it was going to be the six-pack challenge at Unforgiven, Undertaker was going to be in it, uh, he got pulled, he got replaced by the British Bulldog, and again, we didn't see him again until the following May, because he was about to come back, Taurus Peck had another three or four months out, came back on, on the motorcycle. And Kevin Nash, you know, according to Nash, he says, had he come into WCW, that American badass version of The Undertaker would have been the version that you would have seen because he couldn't be The Undertaker. in w You can't go to WCW and be The Undertaker. So he would have had to go and be Mean Mark or Mark Calloway. And he claims it would have been an American badass type thing where he would have had the bandana. He would have probably come out on a motorcycle. Eric Bischoff, I think, has has squashed that. Uh, Bischoff. Now, look, Bischoff was not always in power. Bischoff lost power. He was he was replaced at one point in WCW, and then he came back. So maybe there is truth to it. Maybe both guys are correct in that Bischoff never made a play for him. 
uh, or, or never had a conversation with The Undertaker, but maybe it happened after, you know, Bischoff left before he came back the second time. So, you know, lo- loyalty only goes so far. It's good to be loyal, but did The Undertaker at one point consider going to WCW? Again, that's a question I'd, I'd love for him to answer. I didn't answer it here, but he has been the most loyal soldier. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. That Vince McMahon has had of all of the top talent that he's ever had. What other, what other top name has been as loyal to Vince McMahon in terms of staying with the company and fighting through injury, coming back from injury, the longevity that he's had? Who else? Kane, you know, Kane, Kane probably would be on that list. Shawn Michaels would be somewhere on that list as well. Although he definitely wanted to go to WCW to be with his friends at one point. Uh, and then he was gone for a few years, but Undertaker would be at the very top of that list. I don't think there's anybody above him. Not Hogan, not Savage, all those guys, Warrior. They all had falling outs with Vince McMahon. Undertaker, you know, I'm sure they had spats and disagreements, but he he was he's the one constant who's always been there. So again, they they talked about the relationship between the two of them. He said Undertaker said when he was dealing with personal issues at one point, didn't say what those were. May have been a divorce. I know Undertaker's been divorced once or twice. Vince was there to tell him. He said he's the person who sat him down and said, "Look, you got to stop feeling sorry for yourself. You got to snap out of it." Stop feeling sorry for yourself. And Undertaker said, if it was anybody else who had said that to me, I would have kicked the shit out of him. (laughs) He goes, but it was Vince. And I'm just thinking, yeah, it was Vince. He's your boss, of course. I mean, yeah, he's Vince, but he's the one that signs the paychecks. I don't think you're going to go, you know. Bret Hart had already signed with another company when he punched Vince McMahon in the face. So even Bret Hart, I think, would have thought twice about doing that if, if he was still working for WWE. Yeah, don't 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 kick the shit out of your boss. Unless he really deserves it. It's probably a bad idea. Uh they had this great clip. Uh it looked to me like it was from WrestleMania 32 of after the Hell in a Cell match Undertaker had with Shane McMahon. You know, the tunnel when they come to the back, there's like this tunnel before he gets to the gorilla position. And they have wrestlers lined up on both sides of the tunnel. Ric Flair is over here, Scott Hall. So it had to be a WrestleMania, because why else would they be there? But Undertaker, he comes right back from his match, and he's got this big smile on his face. He's got a like a like a bear hug on Vince, and they're just walking together as everybody's applauding. There's these big, like, cheesy grins, these big cheesy smiles on their face. They're talking about, oh, I love you. I love you too. I'm like I'm watching this and I'm just thinking it looks like it looks like uh, best friends from some kind of weird sitcom like some weird television sitcom they should commission a pilot on the network so so some like uh, about like a businessman and some weird like goth biker who are forced to like live together like the odd couple big cheesy smiles on their faces they were in the, they were in this this great mood but he had the shorter hair so that's what made me think it might have been after the WrestleMania 32 match. So finally, Vince McMahon comes strutting into his office. He's late for his business meeting with The Undertaker. I guess he had to get his uh, his sweat. His swole. He's looking swole. Is that the word to use? He's wearing this bright orange t-shirt. It's very weird watching, you know, looking at Vince McMahon in a t-shirt. 
but this bright orange t-shirt. Like, he's on his way to prison or something. And he comes, you know, strutting into the room. He's going to sit down and talk turkey with The Undertaker and find out where his head is at and if he, if he thinks he can come back. Uh, and at that point, Vince McMahon basically tells the camera crew to get lost. So we didn't get to, we didn't get to sit in on the meeting. But they had a conversation about Undertaker's future. How does he feel? What is he thinking? Where's his head at? You know, does he want to come back? Can he come back? And he he said he told Vince he goes honestly I if I don't wrestle another match again I'd be happy. I I'm not sure I can't I can't commit to anything. And this is this is before New Orleans. It's like yeah I don't know I don't know I I might be done. I might be done. He says I'll tell you what. I'll train. I'll train for the match if there is a match so I'm ready. Somebody goes down with an injury you can put me in there. So at least I'll be in 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 physical shape if I get called upon, but just give me time and and I will I will give you an answer when I'm ready to give you an answer. And so that's how they that's how they left things. Um, but again, like you you watch this and he really does seem resigned to being done. But this sense of loyalty that he has to Vince McMahon, you know. It, Look, I mean, I guess in his mind, he feels like he he has to have a sense of loyalty because the whole Undertaker character was Vince's idea. It set this guy for life. He's made a good living at it. He met his wife. He's got a lot of positive experiences coming from his time working for Vince McMahon. Maybe other people don't. So I I understand it. You know, he kind of looks at him like a father figure. I don't want to disappoint him. He's relying on me. He's depending on me. But this this sense of loyalty is, I think, part of why he just keeps coming back. So the producer at one point asked Vince McMahon, he goes, what does The Undertaker mean to you? What does The Undertaker mean to you? And what does The Undertaker mean to WWE? And Vince, his eyes are all welled up. You know, maybe he bit his tongue. And he just refuses to answer the question. He gives the cut sign. He says, I can't do it. He gets very emotional. He says, I can't. I can't answer it. Can't do it. So now we fast forward four months. It's the Royal Rumble. 2018 Royal Rumble. Undertaker is in the backstage area. He's there to support his wife. Michelle is making a cameo in the first ever women's Royal Rumble match. So he's in a very uh, kind of unique position of being there to support somebody else. He's not there to work. He's in street clothes. He's content to be in street clothes. Uh, But there's a bit of foreshadowing. That goes on here because we see Undertaker at one point sitting in the back watching on a monitor. He's watching, I think it was it was a Kevin Owens, I think, against AJ Styles. And he's watching AJ and he goes, that guy right there. He goes, that guy right there. That's the guy that got away. He goes, that's the guy who most reminds me from the current crop of talent of Shawn Michaels. I would have loved to have worked with that guy. I would have loved to have had an AJ Styles versus Undertaker match. So little did he know... But I love that little bit of, of foreshadowing there for what's to come. So afterwards, he says, Vince McMahon brought up the idea, hey, what would you think about working Cena? You and John Cena at WrestleMania. What do you think? And it's appealing to him, but he he still wasn't sure. And it really wasn't until he went then and watched, the, the which was right after the Rumble, what we saw earlier, him and Michelle sitting watching that match back from WrestleMania 33. That's when he realized, boy, I look old, I look slow, I look like shit. Basically, that's that's what he was that's what he was thinking. He was disgusted by his performance in that match. He says, "You know what? Let me work out the kinks. I'll get back to you. I will give you an answer by by whatever whatever the date was." Because you know, look, the the rumble has now come and gone. They've got one more pay per view, maybe two. Uh, before WrestleMania, they've got to make a decision. What's going on here? You know, John Cena is one of the biggest stars in the company. You can't wait until two weeks before WrestleMania to decide is is John Cena going to have a match or not. Got promotional materials you've got to put together. You've got to lock stuff in. So they flew a ring for him. He he rented some kind of storage facility or some kind of uh, warehouse that wasn't being used. It was it was empty. It was. It was not in good shape. He had to fix it up. He had to install electric and do all these things to it to really fix it up. Uh, but he had a ring installed, and he was 
you know, going to train in the ring and he was going to see what, what his body could handle. So they have footage of him doing that. He's hitting the ropes hard. He's running as fast as I've ever seen the undertaker run in my life. He, he's doing all the usual drills that, you know, some, some rookie would do hitting the ropes, taking back bumps, getting up, taking back bumps. Uh, Primo. I, I thought this was amusing. Uh, Primo Cologne came in. He was the undertaker's training partner. So there's the undertaker and Primo giving us a match in this empty building. It would fit right in now at the PC. Uh, so that was kind of cool. Kind of reminds me of, of the story of, of The Rock bringing in uh, Kurt Hawkins. I think it was Kurt Hawkins and Joe Hennig to, to train with when he was making his comeback in 2011. Uh, because those guys, look, I mean, those guys can be called upon at any given moment. They're not being featured on television or anything. And They'll come and they'll they'll bump around and bounce around for you. So, and Kurt Hawkins said the Rock was great. You know, he would literally on a dime he would get a message saying, "Okay, Rock wants to train. He wants to do it in Miami, or if he was in New Orleans, he's going to train. He wants to train in New Orleans. He'd he'd fly to Miami, or he'd fly to New Orleans, and he would train for the day with the Rock. And he said he was cool. Said he was the coolest guy in the world. Treated him great. Uh, so Undertaker is feeling pretty good. He says to Michelle, okay, record this. And the, he's in the ring, and, they, and he has his wife record this video of him training, and then he looks in the camera, and he basically cuts a promo on Vince McMahon and says, I'll see you in New Orleans. And he very strategically waits, and he texts the video to Vince McMahon. I think it was in the middle of the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view, like they were live on the air. And he texts this video to Vince as his, his video answer for WrestleMania. And uh, he, he says he just got one text message back from Vince McMahon that basically said, fuck yeah. And so he was all in. They had The Undertaker locked in for WrestleMania 34. The John Cena match is an interesting one. Because for the longest time, I said that, and I still maintain, that match was too little, too late. That match was a huge missed opportunity. Because here you have two of the biggest stars in the company, two of the biggest stars in the history of the company whose interactions really have been limited to the early part of Cena's career. Now, Cena and The Undertaker have had a couple of matches on Raw. I think one in 2006. Uh, there was a tag match at Madison Square Garden. I was at that show in 2009 where they had some interaction. But outside of that, you know, an Undertaker admits it here in the special that they only had one match on pay-per-view. There was a match at Vengeance in 2003. That was it. That was their, that was their one big pay-per-view match before WrestleMania, however many years later this was, 16 years later, 15 years later. It's a long time. The match with, with Cena was the Undertaker match that I pitched the hardest for years on this podcast. The match that I wanted to see in terms of the opponent that I felt was just the best opponent, the best match you could do at that point with The Undertaker. Uh, that and the Sting match, you know, in 2011. 2011, that's talking about missed opportunities. You can get me started on that. 2011 and 2015. 2011, Sting had just come off, I think, one of his one-year deals with TNA. He was kind of in this weird period where I don't think he had re-signed or his contract was coming up. And they had started running those return vignettes with the shack in the woods, and everybody let their imagination run wild. Oh, it's Sting. There's a guy in a trench coat. You can't see who it is. Oh, it's Sting. Sting is coming into WWE. And so everybody let their imaginations run wild. I think as the story goes, WWE saw this level of interest and I think they had reached out somebody in the company had reached out to Sting and uh, I believe they talked but the plan was already in place that was for Triple H's big match with The Undertaker Triple H wasn't going to let that match slip away so it never happened 2011 would have been a great time to do it uh, 2015 when Sting came in had what would end up being his only Wrestlemania match it was against Triple H eh. another missed opportunity I mean did Undertaker really need to wrestle Bray Wyatt that year but see, with the with the sting the sting stuff is also interesting because I I have never I've never gotten the sense, and he hasn't commented on it, so this is just me speculating. But how many times have you heard Sting 
in interviews, at Comic-Cons over the years, right until this very day, even to this day here in 2020, what's the one match you would want to come back and do? I would only come back if I could wrestle The Undertaker. I want that match with The Undertaker. I think it would be great. He's the one guy that got away. Otherwise, I don't have any interest in coming back. I want to wrestle The Undertaker. How many times have you heard Undertaker even talk about Sting? None. None. And you got to think that when Sting did come in, if Undertaker really did want to work with him, he would have said, hey, I want to work with that guy. I just never got the sense that it was reciprocal. Like Sting really wanted to work with The Undertaker, but I don't know if The Undertaker really wanted to work that badly with Sting. And again, that's another question I wish somebody would ask him about. I don't know, maybe it was, you know, he, he was worried maybe about the performance. Now, maybe at that stage of his career, he felt, I got to be in there with somebody who... Well, I mean, Tr- Triple H wasn't that young at the time, but you know whether it's like a Bray Wyatt or an AJ Styles, somebody who is younger and faster, who can go, who could really hold up their end as far as going out there and having a great match, and you know bumping around for me and everything. Maybe maybe he just felt Sting wasn't that guy. Sting's another guy in his you know mid to mid to late fifty. I mean, Sting's older than the Undertaker. I think Sting is sixty one. Undertaker is, what, 55? I think he just turned 55 in March. So Sting has a good, I think, six years on The Undertaker. I don't know, maybe maybe that had something to do with it. Undertaker just didn't feel the performance would be what he wanted the performance to be. I don't know. I, but I never got the sense that he was as enthusiastic about doing that match uh, as Sting, or they would have done it. You know, they would have done it. But the Cena match was was such a missed opportunity in that, they just waited too long to do it. Plain and simple. They waited too long to do that match. It does not work without the streak intact. That was that was what I was crowing about for years. The streak had to be intact for that match to work. Not that Undertaker Cena wouldn't be a big match, but to get the match to work, he still had to have that streak intact at WrestleMania. The moment the streak was broken by Brock Lesnar, my interest in the match just went out the window. It was gone. They ruined it. They ruined it. Cena was still at that time, before the streak ended, was kind of at his peak. Full-time guy. Face of the company still. You know, before Roman Reigns came along and they tried to make him the face of the company. Uh, And so, all the pieces had to fall together. Cena's still full-time. Cena's still winning matches. Cena still has this vocal, call it a majority, a vocal minority of fans who look at him and go, oh, God, John Cena, all he does is win. All he does is win. He buries guys. Enough with John Cena. That, that's, that's the Cena that you needed. Okay, so you've got that version of John Cena. And then you have The Undertaker who was undefeated at WrestleMania. And every year that goes by, everybody is thinking, oh, is this going to be it? He's getting older. Is this going to be the end for The Undertaker? Is this going to be his last match? And if it is, imagine, you know, they take Undertaker and they take Cena, who they they think the world of, right? They talk about Cena now. They literally have the announcers talk about him on TV and call him the greatest of all time. So according to WWE, John Cena is the greatest of all time. That's how they refer to him. He is the GOAT. And you get those two in the ring together. And just imagine, just imagine, you've got this crowd buying into the fact, holy shit, they're going to have John Cena beat The Undertaker. Or John Cena maybe was handpicked by The Undertaker to break the streak. This can't be. He gets him up for an attitude adjustment. Imagine that first attitude adjustment or the, or the second or the third and he goes for the pin, and he kicks out at two, like two and three quarters. The place would go nuts. People would be losing their minds in the audience because I think they would actually believe that they're going to take this fucking guy. It can't be him, and they're going to have John Cena beat the Undertaker. It can't be. I think for the first time in many years, you would have had an opponent that people could have bought into that dramatic near fall as they're going to put this guy over the Undertaker and break the streak. And then in the end, Undertaker wins, and the streak is not broken. 
But that was the missed opportunity in waiting too long to do the match. By the time they did the match, Undertaker was even older. He was even slower. He wasn't undefeated anymore. And John Cena, you know, he he showed up once a year, twice a year maybe. He was almost as part-time as The Undertaker. It's an attraction. It's an attraction. But the timing was just not what, what it should have been. And that was always my 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 issue with them waiting so long to do that match. Um, but anyway, it would, it would have made for a great, I think, uh, dramatic effect. So Undertaker... Uh, and also the other thing about this match is it would have been a lot longer. Undertaker admits here in the special, once this match is over, he was very disappointed. He made the comment, I think it was, to uh, Big Show when the match was over. You know, he's in the back, he's got a smile on his face, he's happy, you know, that he he made it through and, and kind of redeemed himself. But he said, like, I trained for 45 and they gave me five. Now, first of all, The Undertaker does not need to be going 45 minutes. 45 minutes with an entrance, maybe, but not a 45-minute match. But he said, I trained for 45, I got five. Well, I got news for you. You didn't even get five. The Undertaker did not even get five minutes. The Undertaker did not get three minutes with that match at WrestleMania with John Cena. They went less than three minutes. I think it was like two minutes and 50 seconds or something. It was a squash. It's a total squash. Not a competitive match at all. All the more reason I wish they would have had a proper match. But Undertaker, he he got his redemption, you know? In those in those two minutes and fifty something seconds, he got his redemption. And by the way, just just to throw this in there about John Cena, find me another top star like John Cena, who allowed themselves to be squashed in the manner in which he was squashed in not one but two big pay per view matches: the SummerSlam match with Brock Lesnar and this WrestleMania match with the Undertaker. I'm not just talking like, oh, you know, it was kind of competitive, but he lost. Like, he got squashed like he was a nobody. I can't think of another guy in his position. I mean, I give him a lot of credit. I I dare say that most guys in his position over the years, I can't think of anybody who's 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 done that. Now, you could say The Rock was very giving and, you know, he he lost more matches than maybe you would have expected him to. And and Chris Jericho, you know, he he's he's in that category now, too. But I mean, like, top, top guy. You know, I don't, I don't know that Cena gets enough credit for that. So he gets to WrestleMania. He admits that this is the best that he's felt since the first Mania match with Shawn Michaels, which is my all-time favorite WrestleMania match, in my opinion, the best. Says that he and Cena had only the one pay-per-view match way back in 2003, so he's looking forward to working with him. Uh, they smuggled this guy into the building. They put a tarp over a golf cart. <laughs> they put him and his wife in this golf cart. They threw a tarp over it. They're riding down the hallway at whatever the maximum speed you can get on a golf cart is. Uh, I, hey, I think they should have. He should have rode that thing down to the ring. Let him ride it down to the ring, and then you pull the tarp off. Big pot for the Undertaker coming out of the golf cart. Uh, they have the match. Undertaker looked good, you know, for the three minutes he was out there. Uh, believe me, there's a lot of guys out there who could look good in three minutes. After that, it's all. It's all over. That's a different video. So he and Vince, he gets to the back. They're hugging. Vince is just hugging him. I love you. Thank you. I love you. Uh, He finds Roman Reigns. He apologizes to Roman. He can't get over how shitty that match was at WrestleMania in Orlando. He goes, listen, I didn't give you the match that you deserved. I'm sorry. It's my fault. I apologize. Um, But again, he was irked. He went through a lot of training. For what ended up being a three-minute match. You could tell, like, he wasn't angry, but you could tell he was he was disappointed. Uh, you could tell he was upset. And I have to assume that that was just a matter of Vince McMahon looking to protect him. You know, Vince McMahon saw the same Undertaker that we all saw in Orlando the year before. And didn't even know if he was going to come back. You know, it, look, if I had watched that, I wouldn't have had him back anyway. But if I was in Vince McMahon's position, I would have kept the match short too. You know, maybe not three minutes... I think you could have given these guys 10 minutes, 12 minutes, give Cena a few offensive moves. But I, I, I have to assume that that really is, is 
what it came down to. Vince McMahon just was like, yeah, we got to we gotta keep this guy very limited in what we have him doing here on this show. Uh, the funny thing is, it probably would have ended up being pretty good, you know, had they given them 10 more minutes. But who knew? You know, you watch him the year before and he was slow and overweight and all this other stuff. And and then he shows up looking the way he looked. You know, who who could have predicted that? So he redeemed himself a year later, uh, but he's still not ready to hang it up. He's still not ready to hang it up, and that sweet Saudi money beckons. That sweet Saudi money is just too good for him to turn down, and that is the focus of Chapter 3 coming up next week. Uh, The Crown Jewel match, DX against the Brothers of Destruction, which, you know, turned out to be uh, a disaster. Triple H got hurt. Undertaker did not look good. And as Michelle says in the preview, she said what I said earlier. It's a vicious cycle. You know, it's a vicious cycle because now he had another bad match. And so he's got to redeem himself all over again. And what came next? The Saudi match against Goldberg. (laughs) The Saudi Arabia match with Goldberg. And uh, we all know what happened there. Now, I don't know if the Goldberg match is going to be covered in episode three uh, or episode four. It was in the preview. So I know they're going to cover it. I know it's going to be talked about. And it ain't going to be pretty. Remember the end of that match when it was over? And they zoomed in on Undertaker's face. Undertaker looked pissed. (laughs) He was... Undertaker was not happy. He was not happy. with. Now, look, Goldberg got hurt. There were extenuating circumstances, but he was not happy. So I'm very anxious to see if there's any kind of uh, footage from backstage after the match. Maybe Goldberg apologized to him or... I'm sure they didn't come to blows or anything like that, but I'm, I'm, I find it fascinating to see what they're going to show us in terms of footage from after that match at the Saudi show. But here we are again. He's got to redeem himself. He's got to go back out there and he's got to prove I, I can't go out like that. I can't go out on that note. And the question is, how many times can one person try to redeem themselves before they just call it a day? And that's the question. Now, there was a deleted scene that was not featured in this episode, but if you didn't see it, it is up on WWE's YouTube channel. Uh, There was a deleted scene from this episode. There was a cryotherapy session. Undertaker's in this cryopod. They, they, you know, from the neck... I hit the mic. So from the neck up, you're exposed. But then the rest of your body is in this pod. And you're not wearing anything, I think, except uh, gloves and, and, and your underwear. And the temperature goes, I, I think they said, like, what was it, like 200 degrees below zero or or 400 degrees below zero, something like that. They're trying to freeze the Undertaker. And he goes through the session, comes out of the pod. They ask him, how do you feel? He goes, oh, I'm cool as a cucumber. And he goes, and I hate cucumbers. And he walks off. And I said, holy shit, they, we finally got confirmation." After years of, of hearing stories and everything, after all these years, we have confirmation from the man himself. I have a video. I, I covered this on my show before. It's probably up on YouTube. Undertaker hates cucumbers. Undertaker is, like, deathly afraid of... Uh, well, maybe he's not afraid, but, like, he he hates cucumbers. And uh, Paul Bear told the story once. He did a shoot many years ago with Jim Cornette. I think it was an ROH shoot video. And he told the story of Undertaker throwing up all over a Waffle House one day because he got up, he went to the bathroom. Obviously, somebody, uh, you know, jimmied with his drink. He came back to the table. He looked into his iced tea or he went to go take a sip of his iced tea. And in the iced tea was a cucumber. And the Undertaker, I guess, threw up all over the Waffle House. Um, Owen Hart, Owen Hart, well, I mean, Owen Hart pranked everybody, I'm sure. But Owen Hart used to put cucumber slices uh, in the Undertaker's boots, so that when he would put his boots on, he would squish the the cucumber. He would get really upset uh, and really angry about that. Other times, he would put his gloves on. There would be like pieces of cucumber in in the the, the fingers of the gloves. Uh, cucumbers in his hat when he would go put the big black hat on his head. These guys have a lot of balls. I would not want to play that kind of joke on the Undertaker because I would not be here right now if I played a joke on the Undertaker. Uh, I'll have my Double or Nothing recap this Saturday night live on YouTube as soon as the pay-per-view goes off the air. Uh, That'll lead into episode 653 of The Sound Up on Sunday. And then right back here, right back here, guys, as we're doing every week, same time, 
next Tuesday. Next Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern for my next Undertaker Chapter 3 review, End of an Era. Take care, guys. I'll see you next week. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.